The topics and opinions expressed on the following show are solely those of the host and their guests and not those of W4CS Radio, its employees, or affiliates. W4CS makes no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for listening to the Cancer Support Network on W4CS.com. Any health-related information on the following show provides general information only. Content presented on any show by any host or guest should not be substituted for a doctor's advice. Always consult your physician before beginning any new diet, exercise, or treatment program. to Five to Thrive Live, everyone. I am Carolyn Gazella, and I am joined by my co-host and good friend, Dr. Lise Ulschuler. Hello, Lise. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I had a busy but productive day, and I'm sitting here in quiet repose, ready for this great show. How about you? How are you? I'm doing great. I also had a busy day, and yeah, it's uh, it's that time of year, Elise. We're just ramping up for the for the fall season. So yeah, we're kind of in that harvest, harvest all the fruits of our labor mode, aren't we? I think we are. I think we are, and we have an amazing show for your, our listeners tonight. But before we get started, I wanted to remind our listeners that we have a chat room. It's located in the bottom right-hand corner. We would love to have you join this conversation. It's an important one, especially for cancer survivors. So if you know somebody who's a cancer survivor, go grab a loved one or a friend and have them listen to tonight's show. I also want to let you know that we have a ton of information on our website, and that is 5tothriveplan.com. That's all spelled out, 5tothriveplan.com. Yes, and uh, we like to uh, make sure that we thank our sponsors before we begin the show. So we want to do that as we usually do, and we're very grateful to Cognizance Acetylcholine, Cetria Glutathione, Sun Theanine, and Tomorrow's Nutrition. Tomorrow's Nutrition. My tongue cooperated. <laughs> <laughs> we do really appreciate our sponsors. And you know, our guest tonight has been on the show before and is one of our very favorite people. And guests. She has a lot to share. And you know what? I think we should just keep her on the air for hours. What do you think? I think that would be great, but I don't think that's going to work because she's a very, very busy person. Um, our guest is one of my favorite uh, people in the whole wide world, one of my most favorite doctors that I work with. And Lise, you know, I get to work with a lot of great doctors, yourself included. Um, so my guest is. Our guest is Dr. Tina Kayser, who is a naturopathic oncologist. Dr. Kayser graduated magna cum laude from SUNY Buffalo with dual undergraduate degrees in biochemistry and English. She's one smart cookie. She then earned her naturopathic doctorate from National College of Naturopathic Medicine and completed a two-year clinical residency in integrative oncology at the Cancer Treatment Centers of America in Tulsa, Oklahoma. She is the past president of the Oncology Association of Naturopathic Physicians, and she is currently the senior medical editor of the Natural Medicine Journal, which is a journal that I publish, and that's the privilege that I have of working with Tina for the last several years. So, Dr. Kayser, welcome back to Five to Thrive Live. Well, thanks for having me. 
Indeed. And, you know, um, we have had a run of some good shows, and I think this show is actually going to build kind of interestingly very nicely on our last show last week, which we forgot I forgot to mention. But if you missed our show last week, we talked with dietitian Alice Bender about weight loss, and she gave us some great kind of dietary lifestyle strategies, but a you know, a really important part of any health change, including weight loss, is supplementation. And people often are thinking about supplementing with a multivitamin, but there's actually some new research, or not, on the value or not of multivitamins, and there's some specific kind of aspects, if you will, of a multivitamin that people probably should be aware of, particularly if they have a history of cancer. So, Tina, I'm going to start us off with a simple question. And the answer may or may not be simple. But I want you to just sort of uh, wax philosophical, if you would, and tell us why do multivitamin supplements exist? What purpose do they serve? Well, this is going to be a matter of opinion, I suppose. And I, I think multivitamins exist because we want to ensure that there is a minimal intake of identified essential nutrients so there's prevention, there's the basics, prevention of overt deficiency of vitamins. You know, an example would be preventing scurvy, which is vitamin C deficiency, or beriberi, which is a B vitamin deficiency. I think that multivitamins exist simply to create a safety net of sorts, and I think they do serve that purpose well. And, you know, I do, we have to remember that in America we are a very well-fed population, <laughs> and one may think that there may not be deficiencies in America because we're a fairly affluent country and we eat pretty well and food is, is easy to come by here. But that's not the case. Um, we actually have a very high rate of nutrient deficiencies. The National Health and Nutrition Examination Survey, which is part of the services of the Center of, uh, for Disease Control, the U.S. government, um, has found that even combining food and supplements, many people fail to provide uh, enough vitamin D in their diet, enough vitamin E. Calcium was uh, deficient in about 40% of our population. And surprisingly, magnesium was deficient in 46% of those who were surveyed. Um, and that, in those who were surveyed, about half of them were taking a multivitamin. So the multivitamin together with diet even failed to meet requisite needs of many Americans. And that was a little surprising, and that data was very new, 2007 through 2010. So I'm not hearkening back decades ago when we were eating more from boxes. I hope we're eating better and whole foods more now. Uh, but I think that it's remarkable how, how much work we still need to do and how important it is to get the right multivitamin both in dose and in uh, mixture of nutrients to make sure that we don't hit these nutrient deficiencies that seem to be so prevalent. Yeah, you know, you bring up such a great point, Tina. It seems like as a nation, we are overfed and yet undernourished. Um, so a multivitamin can help uh, potentially fill in that gap a bit. And, and, you know, even in the general population, there's been uh, controversy about the health benefits of taking a multivitamin. Uh, you know, it seems like every now and then we hear about some research study that says that a multivitamin is ineffective or it might be dangerous. Um, but the balance of the research seems to support the use of multivitamins. Can you kind of shed a little light on this controversy that we that we have going on periodically about multivitamins? Yeah, I think it has a lot to do with the population that is being studied. If you do take a, an otherwise fairly healthy population and give them a multivitamin, there may not be a lot of benefit that you see. 
um, if you take the average American instead of a fairly healthy population, um, you might see more benefit because there's more likely to be underlying deficiency. I think that, I think another thing happens, and that is I think that some patients, and I, I've heard people say this, and I've actually asked them when those headlines hit, and I think it was somewhere within the last year there were big headlines about how multivitamins don't do anything. I asked some patients, you know, when you take a multivitamin, do you feel like you don't need to eat as well? And admittedly, there's a psychology to this where they think the multivitamin will replace the foundational diet of high vegetable, plant-based diet, basically, lots of vegetables, legumes, fruits, nuts and seeds, et cetera, a high nutrient-dense diet. And they, they said it does give them a sense that they get to, you know, slack off a little bit. And, and I do wonder if there's a false sense of security with a multivitamin instead mm-hmm. of understanding that it's a safety net and that you're supposed to build upon that, not to mention the fact that, needless to say, natural plant-based foods have tens of thousands of components for our health, not just the, you know, 13 or 20 ingredients on a multivitamin um, so they're much more complex and more whole and provide um, compounds such as polyphenols and um, anthocyanins and all of these compounds that you can't get anywhere else but the foods themselves. So so I do think there's a false sense of security perhaps and that maybe people are taking multivitamins sometimes in lieu of eating well, and that's probably a, a mistaken way of, of going about it. Yeah, that's such an interesting point. And I have never asked my patients that, but I am just, as you were talking, I was reflecting on myself, and I think I'm guilty of that myself. Like when I'm taking um, my little pile of supplements every day, I sort of have this sense of, well, you know, if I'm not perfect with my diet today, that's okay because I've got it covered in my supplements. But as we say, they are called supplements for a reason. And uh, so, you know, let me ask you a personal question. Do you recommend multivitamins to your patients? I do. I do. And I think on our shelves right now for different multivitamins for, for different reasons. Um, it depends what the patient needs. It depends on their age. It depends on their underlying issues, um, how well they do eat, and what nutrients I want to emphasize for them. So some of my uh, multivitamins are weighted for blood sugar support, and other ones are very minimal just to make sure that the patient is getting enough of the hard-to-get nutrients um, or B vitamins for supportive, uh, for, for both mood, um, neurotransmitters, and glutathione support with B vitamins. And so it depends what I'm, what I'm really emphasizing with the patient, but yeah, I have four different ones, and I, I try to choose what's best for the patient. And there's also pill load. Some of them are recommended at four a day, and some of them are one a day. And so it really depends how many, how many capsules or pills that one wants to take and other nutrients that they're already taking. So there's a, I call it the pill ceiling. You know, there's, there's a certain point where people either don't want to go beyond or, you know, I don't think people should be swallowing 30 pills a day. That seems a bit much. Yeah, pill fatigue. We've actually talked about that a lot. And I know that personally, I have gotten pill fatigued. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's, it's an important consideration. And it's good to know that you do uh, recommend multivitamins to your patients. And we want to know more about uh, what to look for in a multi, and uh, what's what's good, bad, and, and the ugly. We want to know it all. So on that note, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll continue this important conversation with Dr. Tina Kayser. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Stress is a major part of our daily lives. We worry, feel stressed out, sleepless, and sapped of energy. Fortunately, there's a natural product that can help. 
L-theanine is a special amino acid found in green tea that induces a state of relaxation while keeping the brain alert and active. Suntheanine is a natural patented form of L-theanine from Tomorrow's Nutrition. Suntheanine has been clinically proven to improve focus, enhance concentration, and reduce stress without drowsiness while improving sleep quality. For more information, visit tomorrowsnutrition.com. As a special bonus, listeners get 20% off any product by mentioning 5 to Thrive. Live better, save money, and thrive at tomorrowsnutrition.com. We are constantly being bombarded by toxins in the air we breathe, water we drink, and even the foods we eat. So what's the answer? Glutathione. It's inside every cell in your body and protects you from the damage of oxidative stress and toxins. There is a special patented form of glutathione that is superior called Cetria. Cetria is pure, vegetarian, and allergen-free. Help replenish your body's reserves of this very important nutrient, detoxified a natural way. Visit cetriaglutathione.com. That's cetriaglutathione.com. Are you interested in boosting your brain power? So am I. This is Carolyn Gazella, co-host of 5 to Thrive Live, and I'm here to tell you about a supplement that I take. The human brain needs a lot of nutrition to stay focused throughout the day. Citicoline naturally enhances energy-producing centers within the brain. Cognizant delivers a clinically tested, patented form of citicoline that supplies your brain with the energy it needs to stay sharp. Look for Cognizant on the label, or for more information, visit Cognizant.com. That's Cognizant.com. Welcome back to 5 to Thrive Live. I'm Dr. Lisa Schuler, and I'm joined by my co-host, Carolyn Gazella. And tonight, we are talking about multivitamins with our very esteemed guest, Dr. Tina Kazor. And I want to remind listeners that we would love to have you join our conversation. This is your chance to ask questions about multivitamin. Just open up the general chat box, which is collapsed on the bottom right side of your screen. You don't need to sign in. You can just type your question right in there, and we will check that throughout the show and relay your question to Dr. Kazor. Absolutely. Okay, so let's shift gears a little bit and focus very specifically on people with a history of a cancer diagnosis. And let's start, Dr. Kazor, by describing to our listeners what you look for in a multivitamin for your patients who have been diagnosed with cancer. Okay, so because I see oncology exclusively, this is pretty much my entire patient population. They're either undergoing treatment or they're preventing recurrence. And so um, I do spend an an inordinate amount of time looking at the research on nutrients for prevention of recurrence. So certain nutrients do come front and center for prevention. Um, And we're going to talk prevention of recurrence, not active treatment right here, because this is just easier to summarize, and I think it's more relevant for the vast majority of people. And, you know, prevention of recurrence, just for the record, this is also prevention of, of the primary diagnosis. So these can be thought of as cancer preventative in a general sense. Um, so first, I think of blood sugar regulation. Because glucose regulation and insulin regulation is so important for so many various types of cancer, I think of things like chromium, the B vitamins, 
some trace minerals like vanadium comes to mind. Um, in when I say trace minerals, just for the record, I really want them in trace doses. I don't really want high doses. More is not necessarily better. I'm going to repeat that because this is an American audience, right? More <laughs> is not necessarily better. And it's a very, um, it's a cultural bias we have. Um, if some is good, more has got to be better. But in the case of almost all nutrients, at least the ones we, are, we have enough information on, there's usually a kind of a sweet spot where too little is not good, too much is not good, and somewhere in between is actually very beneficial. I'll give you one example that's very relevant to cancer, and that's selenium. In the case of selenium, we know that populations, and this came out of China, where there was, there was very selenium-deficient soil and people were eating locally, and there was very high rates of cancer in one province, and right next door there wasn't. And so they looked at that more closely. They saw that, they saw that selenium deficiency was the issue. Um, and we went on, and that's decades ago now, we went on to show how selenium um, needs to be adequate to prevent cancer and to lower the, the, the incidence of cancer. Now, that said, too little selenium clearly raises the risk of cancer. Too much selenium is also toxic. It's very toxic at high doses. Um, and the first thing that happens is one's nails fall off. Um, and so, so if someone's taking vast amounts of selenium, they'll certainly hit a toxicity level. Uh, they'll know when their toenails fall off. And so I know I don't mean to be so blasé about that, but it truly is. I've seen it once. I had a patient do that once upon a time 10 years ago. Of course, I didn't ask them to take that much selenium. Um, there was one study also with selenium that showed that 200 micrograms, which is um, as much as one should get in their multivitamin and diet put together, 200 micrograms was a sweet spot, and 400 micrograms actually had higher rates of, this was a colon cancer study, recurrence went up at 400, but actually was lower at 200. So there's, there's clearly a sweet spot for all of these. So other nutrients that come to mind are the antioxidants, so the antioxidant vitamins like C, E, and vitamin A, um, and then other nutrients that support antioxidant enzyme systems, uh, which is glutathione. Glutathione is an antioxidant enzyme system, and nutrients that support that are things like folic acid, B12, B6, um, and there's also another one that's a little more obscure called superoxide dismutase, or SOD, and that manganese in trace amounts is needed to support that. So there are a few that are, are standouts. Um, another one is zinc. People need to have adequate zinc. And when we were testing zinc levels um, at a hospital I was at for quite some time, almost all the patients were deficient in zinc. So I think having zinc in the multivitamin is absolutely essential. Um, and zinc is necessary not only for wound healing and things like that. It's also necessary for proper immune function. And we always want to support the immune system when we're talking about prevention of recurrence. So those are a few that are top of mind for me. Uh, without going into too much detail about about quantities, which we can talk about if you'd like to go that far. <laughs> well, um, no, I, th I think that's actually good. And, you know, one of the things that I hear is there's a, a lot. There's a, That's why multivitamins have a long list of ingredients. So maybe if we take the flip side, it would be easier for people to sort of remember. If you could identify anything, again, just kind of focusing on somebody who's concerned about cancer, either f from a primary prevention standpoint or from a re recurrence risk reduction standpoint, what are some ingredients that they should not be taking in a multivitamin, in your opinion? Um, you know, there's, there's several that I'll be very careful with in a multivitamin. Uh, I prefer multivitamins without copper. Um, part of this is because copper deficiency really is not a problem in America. So I'm not worried about people having to get a, a minimal amount of copper in a multivitamin. They're going to get it from their foods and maybe even from their water pipes, for that matter. Um, 
So copper, the reason I don't want to see it in a multivitamin is copper is needed for new blood vessel development or angiogenesis. And that process of new blood vessel development, also called angiogenesis, is necessary for the tumor to grow. So if someone has a very small, even microscopic tumor, and there is a lot of copper around, at least theoretically what we could be doing is really supporting new blood vessel development and encouraging that to grow. So I always have one without copper. Um, Another thing I don't want to see in there um, is folic acid in that form, with it, when it just says folic acid without it being an active folic acid form or a methylated form. Um, the reason for that is there's some concern, especially with colon cancer and breast cancer, that folic acid may take what are precancerous lesions and kind of rush the process along into the cancerous process. We don't know exactly if this is true, but, you know, with the idea that we first do no harm, we may as well use an activated folic acid where that risk is certainly reduced. Um, And I will mention dose on this one. Folic acid, even when studies did show high doses of that uh, form of folic acid that's found in in, in older multivitamins now, um, and maybe lesser expensive ones, um, it was always over a milligram that had the untoward effect. So you do have to take a a good amount of it. Um, But, you know, Formulations used to have 800 micrograms easily or even over a milligram, thinking that more was better. Um, so a, a low-end dose of even active folic acid makes sure that we're not doing any harm to a patient. Another thing that comes up is boron. Um, this is particularly relevant to those with a history of breast cancer uh, and specifically estrogen uh, receptor-positive breast cancer. Boron is a trace mineral And it's fine in trace mineral amounts. It's fine in the food. Apples are high in boron. That's fine. We need a a, a small amount of it. But what happened in bone formulas and even some multis was boron was being put in large amounts, milligram amounts. So at about three milligrams, it starts to have an effect where it raises the estradiol levels in one's body. So circulating estrogen levels go up, and that's not desirable for those trying to prevent breast cancer or breast cancer recurrence. So those are a few that come top of mind. Another one is beta-carotene. We have uh, some evidence about beta-carotene being perhaps um, not desirable, especially for breast cancers and lung cancers, um, at least as an isolate. Because beta-carotene is what we studied for the last three decades, but it's only one carotenoid of so many. Um, And really mixed carotenoids make a lot more sense. That's a lot closer to nature. Um, And on that note, we are finding that the closer we get to how it occurs in the foods, the better off we are. So another isolate is alpha-tocopherol, which is an isolate of vitamin E. And I I don't really favor the isolate alpha-tocopherol and the multivitamin. I'd rather see mixed tocopherols and mixed tocotrienols. That would be ideal. Vitamin E is actually an umbrella term for what are eight different molecules. Four of them are tocopherols. So there's alpha, beta, delta, and gamma tocopherol. And four of them are tocotrienols. Again, alpha, beta, delta, gamma. So vitamin E is actually a, a broad term that encompasses eight different molecules in nature. And when we take one molecule out, like alpha tocopherol, and, and just give that, it's not surprising that we get strange effects because that's never how it would happen physiologically in one's diet. It would, they never occur in isolation. They occur together. So those are a few that I probably would make sure that the label um, was proper with, and I would avoid the isolates, alpha-tocopherol, beta-carotene. I would, there's no reason to give copper and even boron that's sufficient from the diet 
I don't see any reason to put that in a multivitamin. In those who, boron, in the case of boron, that's only relevant for breast cancer, estrogen receptor positive. I mean, that, uh, Tina, was just a lot of great information, and I can bet that all or the majority of our listeners didn't even realize about those ingredients and their connection, that those ingredients could uh, um, be contraindicated if they have a previous diagnosis of cancer. So that's great, great information. And I want to talk a little bit about quality because are there indications that a multi might have more quality? And let me let me ask this question a tiny bit differently. Like you were mentioning some of these ingredients that should not be in, but even ingredients and forms like the active form of folic acid or mixed tocopherols versus alpha tocopherol. Um, using these higher end ingredients, does that indicate quality? And what, like if I turn that bottle around and look at the label, what is going to tell me that this is a, a high quality multi? You know, it is in the, in the broader sense, like if, if one goes to the store and is looking at the shelf, it is really difficult, I'll be honest, to tell quality from a label. Um, the very least we want to see is GMP certified. Um, the FDA has begun uh, going to the facilities and doing inspections, and that's actually a good thing because the FDA will have a minimal bar for everyone to meet. But the bar is not high enough, um, really. One of the issues is when a company gets the raw material, it's ideal to retest it and not take the word of the raw material supplier as to what's in there and what's not in there. And so what you want to see on the label ideally are things like contains, you know, as in they retested it, um, no pesticides, no solvents, no, in the case of fish oil, no dioxins, no mercury. You want to make sure that the company is doing due diligence. Um, There is a certificate of analysis that comes, but that comes with the raw material when it goes to the facility. The facility or the company is responsible, hopefully, for retesting it. That's not a legal obligation as far as I know, or it hasn't been. Um, so the question becomes who goes the extra mile to ensure what they put in that capsule is pure, without contaminant, without, and without any solvent residues. When you're looking at a product, and it's an extract, for example, it says you know 95% curcumin. Well, turmeric root, where the curcumin came from, is only 5% curcumin. So how did they put 95% into the capsule? Well, they extracted the curcumin component out of the root with something. And so that, that solvent that they used should not have any residual, there shouldn't be no residue left in that capsule. And the question becomes, is the company doing due diligence to make sure there's no solvent residue? Um, this is difficult to sleuth out. I mean, with the professional lines, there are, there are not as many professional lines, and by that I mean brands that are sold in offices like mine, naturopathic offices, chiropractors, or other professionals. Um, I try to make sure that I know the company, um, literally know the company, know how they're doing their quality control measures, what assays are they doing, what are they checking for. Um, so we kind of do an extra mile of quality control um, by making sure we know the company. On the over-the-counter, when you just walk through a drugstore or Costco or whatever, I, I think it's very difficult to sleuth out which companies are doing due diligence in, in these testing areas. So I will say this. I always tell patients this. If you have to buy an over-the-counter, just don't buy the cheapest one 
because you can yeah. almost guarantee they're not doing it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's actually good and reasonable advice. Without naming names, your sort of standard one-a-day, um, you know, multivitamin that's available in chain or box stores nationwide are in some cases not the highest quality although surprisingly they can be they can be under very good quality manufacturing control but they so they manufacture things well so they wouldn't have solvent residues and that sort of thing but they don't start with the highest quality ingredients so you don't end right. up with the best product and i i just want to emphasize something you said too that this is an area where healthcare professionals can be really important because if somebody's confused, that's a great th question to bring to their naturopathic doctor, their integrative physician, their chiropractic doctor, who are exposed to these professional lines and have much you know, closer and better access into the manufacturing so they can guide people in what to take both on the professional side and also on the consumer side. So um, I want to move on though and just to kind of ask your opinion about whether you think multivitamins have a role, clearly you've made the case for cancer prevention. What about during the active time of treatment, both chemotherapy and radiation? Do you think that multivitamins are indicated during active treatment? It depends on the treatment. I think a multivitamin in a low dose can always be taken safely. That's my opinion. The, the question becomes, does the rest of the care team agree with that? And if they don't, are we putting the patient in a psychological quandary that's going to upend any benefits of a multivitamin anyway? And so on a, on a totally data-driven basis, in my personal opinion, I think a low-dose multivitamin throughout the time of treatment is a great idea. And when I say low-dose, I mean it doesn't have to have, you know, 10,000% of the RDA of everything in there because some of them do out there. <laughs> um, what I mean is just minimal minimal um, requisite need because during treatment time, it's a big stress on the body. And there, no matter what, whether it's chemotherapy or radiation, there is collateral damage. Um, so, so let's take radiation. Um, radiation kills cells through the generation of free radicals, right? And that damages the cells. And then all the cells, including cancer cells, can handle a little damage, um, but we want to kill them, and so we want a lot of damage. And the, the, the theoretical concern is that vitamins, antioxidants, multivitamins are going to rescue the cancer cells. There really is no evidence for that. There's very little support for that idea. And when, in the case of a multivitamin, it's low dose. But I say that because that's what people are going to hear from conventional practitioners of all kinds, especially in a cancer setting because there's extra caution, right, within the, the realm of cancer care. And so... I think a multivitamin low dose is a great idea. I think it'll help people repair collateral damage that's happening from both chemotherapy and radiation. Um, but I will say that if I had a lot of pushback from a medical oncologist, and I know my area medical oncologist well enough to, to know who's, who's pro and who's con on this, um, I don't put the patient in the middle because I think that the psychological burden of having us disagree is, is not worth it. Um, and there's another area where a multivitamin besides chemo and radiation, and it's surgery. You know, good old mechanical wound healing. You know, the, it's so important that we make sure that the patient has enough zinc, vitamin C, folic acid, vitamin E, vitamin A. All of those are necessary for wound repair, and each one of them independently, if they're deficient, will impair wound healing, will slow the process, and maybe even have some um, scarring that's, that's not proper, or even adhesions, that kind of thing. So um, I, I do think... In the case of surgery, it's extremely important to go on a multivitamin 
you know, I'm not even mentioning the drugs like the anesthesias. People need to come out from under that, and meaning that they need to metabolize those anesthetics or the anesthesia drugs out of the body. Uh, and that depends on B vitamins and magnesium and, again, zinc in the liver, selenium. So I think a multivitamin post-surgery is also essential, and, and people don't realize that wound healing process, by the way, takes a minimum of six months. So even after you see the scar, the scar is still actively remodeling for at least six months after the procedure. So yeah, I think there is no scenario where it's not, not appropriate. Yeah, I think that's such a good point. And, and I'm assuming that when it comes to recovery, so once treatment is done, um, that's when you really feel a multivitamin can play a significant role. And I'm wondering, so, so talking specifically to cancer survivors who are done with treatment, how important is a multi in that population? I think if, if treatment is over, I think it's very important. And again, I would still, I would say I would stress things like the chromium and selenium and zinc as far as the minerals go and the B vitamins um, to support glutathione and liver pathways, not to mention neurotransmitters. We're not talking about that aspect of care, but the mental emotional aspect requires these nutrients as well. You know, anxiety, depression, that kind of thing. We can really make a difference making sure that they are, that the patient has everything they need for proper function of neurotransmitters as well as you know, the physical aspect and the, the healing period after treatment. For prevention of recurrence, you know, I, I think that we look at deficiencies that also led to the initial, uh, may have led to the initial cancer, or at least are associated with higher incidence of cancer like the selenium. I stress that because it's something that people may not get in their diet because much of America it has selenium-deficient soil. So our, our big we advocate right now to eat locally. And, you know, that's very big where I am in Oregon, and I know it's, it's very popular all around the country, eat locally, uh, eat in season. And to be perfectly honest, all the soil in Oregon is completely selenium deficient. So as much as I want to say just do that, um, there are things that people won't get from our soil um, unless it's added to the soil intentionally. So, Tina, we have a good question in our, from one of our listeners, and um, I'm glad that, that we got this question. So the question is about calcium, and um, can you explain what you – whether you, first of all, do we get enough calcium in our food? That's, that's the question from the listener. I'm going to add to that. And is a multivitamin the correct place to supplement with calcium if we don't get enough from our food? Well, you know, when I mentioned that, uh, National Health and Nutrition Examination Survey, they found 39% of Americans don't get enough calcium. And so, no, I guess the answer would be, and, and again, that was looking at diet and supplementation. Um, I think a lot of women, especially as they get older, start to emphasize calcium in their supplements. Um, there was, in one study, the only people that had excess calcium intake were women over the age of 70 who consumed a lot of dairy and took a supplement. Um, there was like 3% of the population took too much. And that was actually not even in our country. That was over in Europe. I believe it was uh, Sweden. So in any case, the calcium, I, calcium takes up a lot of room. Here's, here's the practicality of it. One of the reasons, um, without mentioning names, um, one of the reasons I don't think one-a-day tablets of any kind um, are a good idea because if you look at the forms of the nutrients they put in there, that, they manage to put calcium and magnesium in there, but they use calcium carbonate and magnesium oxide. Now, that may not mean much, it sounds like any other, but calcium carbonate and magnesium oxide are not easy to absorb. So they will stay in the gut, they'll go out in the stool, and they, those are the ones that when you 
you know, when they say these nutrients don't get absorbed and they show you an x-ray and there's a pill stuck in there, there's a pretty good chance that that's either a calcium pill or a one a day because that type of calcium, calcium um, carbonate, and, uh, is not very absorbable. I say that because a good calcium supplement should be removed from the multi because it's just too bulky to put in there. You need to take the calcium with magnesium, so maybe the best scenario would be a CalMag um, of higher quality, like a calcium citrate, magnesium citrate, uh, or even a magnesium malate, whatever. There's other, there's other things you can bind the magnesium to that make the molecules much, much more absorbable. Again, the problem is what you dock it to, whether it's uh, citrate or malate, it's a much bigger molecule than calcium carbonate or magnesium oxide. Oxide is tiny, so you can fit it in, and you can fit it in there, but the problem is you don't absorb it. So you're best off taking a lar- you know, a couple capsules on the side or even a powder or a liquid of that. It doesn't matter, but something that's much more absorbable than those, those smaller molecules that just don't, don't get into the system. Okay, that's great advice, uh, Tina, about the calcium. So um, as we wrap up the show, um, give us some of your key takeaways uh, that you want listeners to um, remember about this show and about multivitamin, but multivitamins. Just maybe two or three quick things that you want them to remember. I guess first and foremost would be that a multivitamin is a safety net and it's not a replacement for diet that a plant-based diet that's minimum two-thirds plant-based and that includes everything vegetables fruits legumes whole grains nuts and seeds um, needs to be the basis and the research is very clear that line is is very solid that two-thirds of the diet should be plant-based and then the multivitamin is to meet the requisite needs when the soil doesn't so in the case that i mentioned the selenium in my area you know, there's a pretty good chance that if I ate locally, and I do, <laughs> um, that I won't meet my requisite selenium needs. And so a multivitamin will provide for what we know like that and maybe a lot of other nutrients we just don't know that aren't in our soil. It could be other things. It could be chromium. It could be zinc, etc. So I think that the multivitamin, when one of the take-homes is the multivitamin is a safety net. doesn't replace a good diet, but it, it can enhance. Um, and it should be weighted in such a way as to address your underlying concerns in my practice that tend to be oncology, but there are other multis out there that might address more of a cardiovascular background or issue, or maybe um, some that are looking at more um, menopausal complaints, that kind of thing. So, so those will be other topics for your show. (laughs) Indeed. Um, (laughs) But to know that, you know, there really is a difference between multivitamins and that what one takes for prevention of cancer may be different than what one takes for other conditions. And I think that becoming as specific as possible really can, can hone where the deficiencies are going to be affecting one's risk the most for whatever their given risk is. Mm-hmm. So, did that include at least two, if not three, take yeah, I, sure. I think you knocked out three for sure. Well, okay. Gus, you know, this has been a lot of information. I can tell you right now after the break, Carol and I are going to come back on and we're going to summarize some of these high points because there was a lot. You just downloaded. We just got download of Tina's brain, which is <laughs> which is quite a feat. So, uh, Dr. Kayser, how can people find out more about you if you could share your website? Sure. Um, the website is the name of our clinic, which is www.clinicofnaturalmedicine.com. 
Perfect. Okay, well, gosh, this has been such a great show. It's always a treat to have you on. You're such a wealth of information and very articulate. So thank you so much for spending your time with us tonight. And as I said, when we come back, Carolyn and I are going to continue the conversation on multivitamins. We're going to try to summarize some of the high points. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Green tea is good for us. It's a key part of the 5 to Thrive plan. What if you don't care for the taste of green tea? And with so many green tea supplements, how do you choose? No one wants to waste their money on a poor quality product. And I know I want organic to avoid the harmful toxins. That's why you should choose Sunfinin. Sunfinin from Tomorrow's Nutrition gives you the highest quality green tea possible and they offer a 100% satisfaction guarantee. They have confidence in the quality of all their products. As a special offer to 5 to Thrive listeners, Tomorrow's Nutrition will give you 20% off your order. Go to tomorrowsnutrition.com and type in the code 5 to Thrive when you check out and you'll automatically receive 20% off your order. Get quality. Get results. Get Sunfinin Green Tea from Tomorrow's Nutrition. That's tomorrowsnutrition.com. And don't forget to type in the code 5 to Thrive to get 20% off your order. Thrive Live. If you've just joined us, I am Carolyn Gazella, and I am here with my co-host, Dr. Lise Allschuler, and we just had a great conversation about multivitamins with Dr. Tina Kayser, who is a good friend of ours and just a wealth of information. Now, Lise, this is a really important topic for so many people, but especially for the cancer survivor audience listening to the show. So I'm just wondering, what are, what are some of your takeaways that you want our listeners to, to uh, think about? Well, you know, I think actually, and we have a question in the chat room, which I want to get to as well, but I think we should uh, maybe help our listeners out a little bit by summarizing, because, boy, that was a lot of information. I mean, so much. So maybe we could just go through kind of what some of the key nutrients that Dr. Kazar looks for in a multivitamin. We'll just kind of run through those quickly and then switch gears to some of the things that she doesn't like to see. And then we can, I think that would be helpful. What do you think? I think so too. And I think that it would be great to um, get a pen. And so this is the time where you can actually turn that label over, look at the label and say, does it have this? I don't want it to have this. And she even gave us uh, some milligram amounts. And so I can start, Lise, with a couple of the things that she likes to see. Um, You know, chromium, B vitamins, trace minerals. I like the, the example of selenium that she brought up. The fact that she likes to see it on a multi, but she doesn't like to see too much of it. You know, too little is not good, but too much is also not good. So she used the 200 microgram amount. And if it's getting up over that, she doesn't really care to see that. Um, She also likes to see zinc. And Lise, 
What are some other things? <laughs> did I did take you, them all? Did you run out? No, no, I got more. And just to, just to sort of uh, emphasize, I think she made a really good point, which is that the chromium, the B vitamins, the trace minerals, all of that is very important to blood sugar control, which frankly is an issue for anybody living in the modern age. So that's where that's kind of going to be universal really from multivitamin one to another. Um, she also mentioned looking for some antioxidant nutrients and things that support our own body's production of antioxidants. And so she specifically called out vitamin C, vitamin E, which she later clarified to mean mixed tocopherols or mixed tocotrienols, and vitamin A of interest. She later said beta carotene is not a good idea to supplement. So oftentimes you'll see on a multivitamin label, it'll, let, it'll say vitamin A, and then it'll say in parentheses from beta carotene. And so that's actually beta carotene. So that's not the kind of vitamin A you want to see. You want to see just vitamin A because that supplemental beta carotene has been shown to create some challenges with um, various individuals, particularly from a cancer perspective. Absolutely. And especially in smokers, a lot of the studies regarding uh, vitamin E and beta carotene have been uh, in smokers and it can uh, uh, put them at risk. Uh, Another thing that she doesn't like to see is copper. And I think that's a fascinating conversation about how the fact that too much copper in our system will encourage angiogenesis, which is uh, the way that the cancer cells and the tumor grow and thrive is by by uh, taking blood supply. They, they reroute the blood supply so they can have that extra blood in order for them to grow and multiply. And that's a process called angiogenesis. And that occurs when there's uh, too much copper in our system. So I think that's interesting to turn that label around and make sure there's no copper in it if you're a cancer survivor. Yeah, and that's, uh, that's going to, I mean, there's very few multivitamins that do not have copper. I mean, so it's ideal not to have any copper. If you, if there is copper, you want a very small, small amount of copper. Um, she mentioned boron, particularly for people with a history of estrogen receptor positive cancers, because boron, I've read those studies as well, boron supplementation, even in the amounts you would see in a multivitamin as low as one to three milligrams can raise estrogen levels in the blood, which is something that you don't want to do. And, um, she also mentioned folic acid. This is a little complicated, but she, I think, did a nice job of explaining how folic acid has been shown in some studies if somebody has sort of a, a you know, cancer that's growing that hasn't been diagnosed and they take a lot of folic acid, they can actually help that cancer to build. And so to avoid that part or that use of folic acid, you want to take what she called activated folic acid, which is going to show up on the label as methylated folic acid, oftentimes it'll be on the label as 5-MTHF, and that means it's it's been activated, so it's committed to doing different things in the body. And it's interesting that we're focusing on this activated form of folic acid and the mixed tocopherols or tocotrienols. One of the things to realize is that one of the reasons these ingredients aren't showing up in the everyday multi is because they're more expensive. Um, so they are higher quality ingredients. So as a way to cut corners, a, a manufacturer may, may not include them or may include a cheaper form of them. So um, the, the point that she brought up is if I, if, you know, my pa- patient is going to take a multi that is a mass market multi, don't, don't buy the cheapest. I think this is a really great example of, uh, you know, you get what you pay for. Mm-hmm. You know, and I want to go to a question in our chat room because this is a very fascinating question and I I think I can give it a bit of an answer 
in a short period of time. So the question is, are whole food or vegetarian supplements better than regular ones? And um, so, you know, of course, there's lots of marketing going on around multivitamins. And most so-called whole food multivitamins, and I can say this because I've been to a lot of manufacturing facilities and seen how the process works, actually takes the the vitamins that are in regular multivitamins, which, by the way, interestingly, many of the vitamins found in a multivitamin are synthesized now. Um, That's just true and that has been true for many decades so they take those vitamins and then they put them into kind of a a broth of sorts and they uh kind of complex that vitamin into this broth and then they extract part of that into the vitamin so the whole quote whole foods vitamins are often just um they've been manipulated in a different way are they better potentially but um i would say you know i think that remains to be seen for sure and then vegetarian supplements most multivitamins are in fact vegetarian the only difference would be typically in the capsule so if it's a capsule the capsule is made out of cellulose and you can either get a vegetarian cellulose capsule or an animal derived cellulose capsule and of course the animal derived cellulose is cheaper so if it's um, not vegetarian it's typically because of that coating that's holding all the vitamins in not really anything to do with the vitamins themselves Um, but Very good question. There's so many nuances. And again, I just have to emphasize this gets very confusing very quickly. And if people are really wanting to get the highest quality multi for themselves, I think it's a great opportunity to seek advice from their qualified integrative healthcare practitioner. Absolutely. And we covered a lot on tonight's show. And I just want to remind our listeners that if you want to listen to this show again or share it with a friend or even share it with your healthcare uh, practitioner or your professional, uh, in another couple of days, go to iHeart.com and search uh, for Five to Thrive Live, and this show will be up. And probably even by tomorrow, uh, it gets up pretty quickly. So go to iHeart.com and share this show. Now, Lise, can you tell us uh, who is going to be on our show next week? Yes, next week we have Melanie Young. She's the author of Getting Things Off My Chest: A Survivor's Guide to Staying Fearless and Fabulous in the Face of Breast Cancer. So she's going to be a fun and informative guest. I have every confidence. Absolutely. We are looking forward to that show. And remember, if you'd like more information about us, our books, and this show, visit our website, 5 to Thrive Plan. That's all spelled out, 5 to Thrive Plan. And when you sign up for our Thrive Thoughts, you will get a free, colorful, wonderful 5 to Thrive booklet, 68 pages. You're going to absolutely love it. So just go to our website and check it out. You can also follow us on Facebook or Twitter by typing in 5 to Thrive. Enjoy the rest of your evening, and may you experience joy, laughter, and love. Okay, Lise, what time is it? It is time to thrive. Have a wonderful evening.